Well, it is a hugely moving documentary. The Apology there. We just heard a trailer confronting the so-called comfort women issue head-on through the lives of victims in South Korea, China and the Philippines. And we talk about this at a time when the so-called irreversible comfort women deal reached between Seoul and Tokyo in 2015 is looking increasingly up for debate as South Korean President Moon Jae-in's implied it needs to be revisited. He's said so several times, actually, since taking office last month, including in direct talks with Japanese officials. As for the movie, The Apology, it won Best Documentary at last year's Busan International Film Festival, was recently featured at the Human Rights Watch Film Festival in New York City, and we can now welcome The Apology's director, Tiffany Soong. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me today. Just firstly, what drove you to uh, document the the lives of of these particular women that you follow through this documentary, um, the the struggles, the torture, really, that they endured at the hands of the Japanese military and specific soldiers during and before the uh, Second World War. This was a story that I didn't know much about uh, growing up or was ever taught about in school. And so when I first heard about it, it was actually while I was being welcomed to videotape and follow teachers from North America to learn about these atrocities during World War II. So as I was filming the teachers, I was also learning about this firsthand myself, and that was back in 2009. And after hearing the testimonies of these grandmothers uh, in person in these conferences, I was both frustrated and heartbroken that, one, that this was something that I was only learning about right then and there, and realizing that not many other people know about this, and that this grandmother that was speaking, I was just so shocked by by how how much it took for, for her to be able to speak out. And the amount of what she was going through all these years was something that she wasn't talking about, but I felt like was very valid for us to understand, uh-huh. you know, that even though the war has ended um, and the physical act of war has ended, but it clearly hasn't ended for the survivors. And that was a story that I felt like was very important to understand and also to learn about from the grandmothers. Yeah, and three very different stories with a common thread. Um, You've got um, the grandmother in China with her child born from being raped, essentially. Uh, You've got... um, also, the lady in the Philippines with her own very moving story, and then a story which would be more familiar to us in the Korean audience here. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how they started to transform those women during the process of filming? Well, I mean, when we first met Grandma Chow, so just a correction, her daughter is actually adopted, and Grandma Chow isn't able to actually give birth after she had given birth twice at the comfort station. And so she ended up adopting two children um, after the war and raised them um, as, as her own children. Right. Okay, thanks and for clarifying that. Because uh, in, <laughs> there's that reference, um, that, well, we, we didn't have the luxury of subtitles in that introduction just then, but there's that reference to her and some of the other clips right. that have been made available that, uh, well, suggested that she, you know, went through that arduous giving birth process 
having right. been yes, obviously yes. F- so so what did, can we just clarify what happened to those children after she gave birth unfortunately um she had she had to kill them um oh, no. wasn't able to and she had given birth in the comfort station so she had forced her have to have an early pregnancy and and obviously that killed the baby and then the second one she had in the field while she was returning home and you know the stigma around uh, survivors of sexual slavery during that time and still happens uh, was something that she couldn't face and couldn't go home to and for many of these women it was just also trying to survive not just what they endured but also just trying to survive life after the war. And that continues to be the ongoing obstacle and the ongoing struggle um, that really shows us their resilience and their strength. Um, And this is something that still goes on today, not just for the grandmothers, for for many women, for many people who still um, are living in conflicts and and war-torn areas where rape is still used as a weapon of war. You know, and so this is not just an isolated issue. This is still happening all around the world. Yeah, even more painful to to reflect on the realities that they face. Something else that continues to be painful, though, is the Japanese response to this. And, uh, you know, I want to clarify, it's not universally a Japanese response, but a Japanese response that you show in the documentary as well is you know, the chants that come from some of the extreme activists there still directly to their face accusing these women of being prostitutes as they um, are trying to find some closure, some closure directly with the Japanese government, which in itself uh, doesn't seem to be willing to recognise this. I mean, your, your documentary is aptly named The Apology. Can you give us your thoughts on Tokyo's response and some of those extreme activists? Well, I mean... There, as you've seen in the film, there are the group, the right-wing um, extreme, you know, groups that completely deny and don't want to see the truth in what the grandmothers are saying. However, it's also good to note that there are many supporters that the grandmothers do have um, since the beginning, since they have come out and they're the ones who are organizing and helping uh, the grandmothers to travel across um, Japan and to be able to organize those conferences and to be able to 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 be able to provide this education and and awareness mm-hmm. to the everyday people. Um, I mean, my opinion is is my personal opinion. I mean, it's it's frustrating to to see the ongoing fight and to see how long it's taken and still continues to take even well after the film is done and well you know after so many of the survivors have passed on that this is still an ongoing issue but you know i i still believe that you know japan has an opportunity to give a sincere apology that actually takes note of their responsibility and and role in these war crimes and that can really set a precedent to all of the other countries that are still facing this that are still going through this so i don't think it's just again an isolated issue that is self-contained i believe that this can be you know really something that can shift the that dialogue and that conversation of having having institutions and government responsible and taking accountability to these atrocities during war. Something I really wanted to ask so you I'm, about... I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm yeah. hoping. 
Yeah, I mean, something I really wanted to ask you about was the nature of this this 2015 Comfort Women deal, as it's uh, been referred to. It was very much between Seoul and Tokyo, bypassing the former sex slaves themselves. But another issue with it is the fact that it was bilateral, whereas your own background is not Korean, um, as far as I'm aware, but unless you, 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 unless there's a Korean lineage that uh, that we're not aware of. But um, in addition to that, you uh, obviously reflect the Chinese and Filipino side of this. So do you think it's important for this to become a multilateral process? Of course, absolutely. And this is something I know that the Korean Council in Seoul are independently trying to do that, trying to really fight for that, but meanwhile always trying to support the other survivors in the other countries, and that's incredibly important, especially for survivors such as Grandma Chow, who lives in an isolated uh, village with a population of 200 people and, and is disconnected from the outside world of what is going on and what is happening, and so really is relying on you know the solidarity and, and efforts of many people to to be able to make sure that her voice is heard, that what she had gone through is is being noted and justice can be served. And so that I, I do think it's that's one thing in the agreement that really frustrates me. Yeah. Of course, is that the other grandmothers aren't also noted in that, but. Obviously, the foremost uh, important thing is that the Japanese of uh, you know Japanese government actually takes that responsibility and actually includes their role and, and notes that and and wants to put best effort into investigating and disclosing all the things that had happened during World War II, you know. And justice does begin with the knowledge of the truth, and I don't think that I'm not sure what justice is without without that truth, without that education, without without that understanding, you know? Yeah. Um, so... I mean, here we are. It's, it's a race against time as well, given the age of these uh, women um, that we're talking about. I interviewed a, uh, a Japanese government official in the past who was quite animated in saying, well, how many apologies do you need? Um, and this was years actually before even the comfort women deal of, of 2015. And, and you know, sometimes they're suggesting there have been these broad apologies in the past. There have been attempts to compensate the victims just broadly speaking. Uh, can you clarify for us, having worked directly with them and the nature of your documentary being called The Apology, what uh, kind of apology would be required to definitively settle this issue? As I mentioned, a sincere apology, an apology that the grandmothers and all the activists have been supporting all these years is one, number one, an apology that is admittingly taking responsibility of the actual role and participation of the Japanese government, um, the Imperial Army, putting together and orchestrating all of this. That's one. Two, it's the actual funds of any type of support is actually coming from government and it's not coming from private sectors, you know, and that is really coming from, that is really showing that this is something that the Japanese government is taking responsibility from and doing, and it's not just for, obviously, the Korean survivors, but for all the survivors that were affected. Um, and most importantly is the education. Um, that's something that the grandmothers themselves, as you can see in the film, 
still do on their own, traveling around the world, going to conferences and schools and universities, just trying to spread the truth. And so that's a big part of, you know, a reparation is the education aspect right. putting in the proper history in the textbooks to not whitewashing it out. And so that is something that the grandmothers have wanted from the very beginning is putting this history in schools, in textbooks, putting a memorial, you know, putting a museum up. And, and these are the things in the 2015 agreement that goes backwards, goes to completely against it. Yeah, well, and not insisting then on words like irreversible afterwards, which, you know, certainly seem like a synonym for whitewashing. Um, We're out of time, but thank you so much, and congratulations on making this documentary. I've seen a series of clips of it. I'm really keen to watch the whole thing in its uh, timeline, uh, but I'm so pleased that it's getting so much attention. Tiffany Seung, great to have you on the line with us. I do believe it's playing on the 15th in Seoul, so please catch it. The 15th, so tomorrow. Yes. Great. screening happening tomorrow in Seoul. (laughs) Even more timely then. Uh, Thank you very much, Tiffany Sung there, Director of The Apology. And, well, if you want to get in touch with us on that or any other issues, pound a sharp 1013 for 51 per message.